We have links on the website to all of the uh, last talk. If you if you missed the last talk, I I would encourage you to to check that out and uh, watch it because it was on anger. And I'm sure you got some anger, right? We all do, and so the Lord wants to heal us. And so in the back, which you'll find um, again after this session, I did, I did copy another 50 or so hard copies of Anger, the Examination of Conscience regarding Anger. Um, and in the back, there's like 250 um, on Envy as well for tonight when you leave. You can grab one of those. Um, again, this is from week to week. I'd encourage you to know, examine your life regarding the capital sin or deadly sin of anger and the deadly sin of envy now as we begin this week's reflection, detoxing from, from envy this week. Um, it, it takes time to kind of start to see how these sins operate in our lives. That's why you need to take time in prayer and contemplative reflection. Um, because when you reflect in prayer with the Holy Spirit, God starts to show you how that particular sin is robbing you of life. Again, God wants to detox us from toxins. And there's toxins for our physical body, and there's toxins for our spiritual life. Sin, the capital, or seven deadly sins primarily, um, really operate in our lives in different various ways. It's kind of like they each have a personality, they each have somewhat a face that we need to learn how to recognize, and learn how to then um, deal with in our day-to-day lives. So as we um, look at this capital sin of envy, before I start it, um, I wanted to review, or not just review, but I wanted to briefly talk about something foundational that we need to understand, which is justification in Christ. How grace works. Justification in Christ. Where we stand in the big scheme of things um, when it comes to our place in this cosmic temple, planet earth that God has created for us. And so God is, what do we want if you ask you to fill in the blank? God is love. Very good. I only heard a few people. God is. Very good. So God is love and he's not just love, he's perfect love. So you look at that crucifix up there. And that is God's display for each of us of His perfect love. Now, following the logic, heaven is perfect love because God is perfect love. And our ultimate destiny and goal is to become saints and to become holy, to become like God. We're in His image and likeness. We're given the Holy Spirit, the power of grace, so that we could get from where? Earth to heaven. And like I shared last time, if there was nothing to save us seriously from, why in the world would you go through that? Why didn't you just come down and you're all saved, good to go? Come on, guys. That's not how He saved us. He entered into this tremendous act of sacrifice. Okay, so heaven is perfect love because God is love. Now in Romans, in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, and I'd encourage you to, as I speak these scriptures tonight, and as I speak tonight, again, the Holy Spirit's going to move through me, I hope, right? It's going to move through me, and you're going to hear certain particular phrases, or words, or scriptures, or ideas, or senses, or maybe a memory comes up in your life from what I'm saying. I don't know, but God's wanting to develop a personal relationship with each of us tonight. And so for that to happen, you've got to be listening with your own heart to how God's speaking to you in a very personal way. Okay, so when I'm speaking, some of you might grab a phrase here, some might grab another phrase, but it's a personal relationship. So, Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Meaning what? We have all failed to be perfect love. In a nutshell, sin is an offense against love. Remember I was telling you the root of all these deadly sins is fear? Well, all of these sins put a big question mark over, is love for real? 
is love really for real? And so if a child questions whether mom and dad love them, I guarantee you that child will live in fear. And that child's physiological, psychological, emotional, and spiritual development will be stunted because of the fear in that child's life. We're no different. We, by human nature, are created for God. We're created by God to receive God and to give God. If you ever want to know what it means to be human, there's your answer. To receive God and give God. We're created by God to receive Him and give Him. Through our bodies. Through our bodies. As men and women, we enflesh the Word of God. You would call this incarnational spirituality. Not, don't, don't hear reincarnation because that's not what I'm saying. Some people hear reincarnation like, Father's talking about reincarnation. No, I said incarnational. You all know the, 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 the theological term incarnation where the Word became flesh. That's what I'm talking about. God's Word that created this body, Michael's body, in my mother's womb, knitted together, wants to use my body or if you will, love through my body so that others can come to know Him through me. This is what it means to be human. And this is what Satan is after. He wants to keep our bodies from enfleshing the Word of God. He wants to keep us from being obedient to the Word. Really, when we're not enfleshing God, we're hating ourselves. Because God's Word who created me designed me to live in a certain way. And if I live contrary to how God created me to think, speak, and act... I'm essentially living, living contrary to my own human nature, which is self-hatred. And some people, some of us, all of us at some level, have gotten used to self-hatred. And we really don't even realize often how much the way we're thinking, like anxiety, not all anxiety, but most anxiety is because we're thinking in a way contrary to how God wants us to think. There's been an offense that has put a big question mark over trust. And now I'm afraid to trust. So I live my whole life in anxiety, fear, and stress. Okay, so all have sinned. Meaning what? We've all fallen short of love. Okay. We've all fallen short of what? Giving God glory. Saint Irenaeus, one of the church fathers, of our early church fathers in our, in our faith. He said that the glory of God is man... Mankind, man and woman, mankind fully alive. So to give God glory, we need to be fully alive. Fully alive, meaning what? Letting ourselves reach our full potential. It's like when a car is driven as it's designed, it's going to last the longest and it's going to be as most effective as it's designed to be. If I start driving my car off-road and going through forests and trees and down in this ditch and up and jumping over and to the other side and the other lane and my car starts falling apart and then I'm like, why is my car falling apart? I don't get it. Well, because you're treating your vehicle contrary to its design. If the car could talk and had its own free will, we would say that car is sinning. Because that car is choosing to live contrary to its nature and design and purpose. Our purpose is to receive love and give love. Anything that gets in the way of that is sin. Okay? So, St. Irenaeus says, to be fully alive is to glorify God. Now, let's make some connections. Fully alive equals being perfectly loved. And being perfectly loved is communion with God. So heaven, you don't have to wait till you die to start experiencing heaven. You can experience heaven right now on earth. Right now on earth, we could all start taste and see the goodness of the Lord, right? Taste and see, taste and see, right? The goodness of the Lord. Now, now. God's going to give you that grace now. What did He tell the good thief? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Right, right now we can experience some of paradise right now. So to be fully alive is to glorify God. To be fully alive is to receive love perfectly and give love perfectly. 
To be fully alive is to start heaven now. To begin to experience heaven right now. Now, John 10.10. We all know that scripture. Anyone know? I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Fullest, right? So, he came for what reason? To restore us to life. What is life? Receiving love perfectly and giving love perfectly. He came to restore us to what we lost through sin. Okay? Very important. He came that you might have life. Not 50%, not 75%, not 85%, but 100% life. God wants you to have life to the full. Okay? Reach your potential. So let's make again a connection. Life equals what? Receiving perfect love, giving perfect love. Equals heaven. And ultimately, what does that mean? Eternal life. He came to this world to give us eternal life. He came to wage war against sin. To detox us. To remove the toxins from us which keep us from experiencing life to the full. And so I want you to think about that as we speak on these capital sins. Okay, so I gave you Romans 3.23, I gave you John 10.10. Now I'm going to give you John 3.13-18. John 3.13-18. Okay? In a nutshell... It's the whole scripture, you know, John 3.16. God so loved the world, He sent His only Son, so that all who believe in Him might have eternal life. Okay? No one's going to heaven in this church, or on earth, with your own efforts, your own labors, your own love power, or your own merits. You will never get to heaven based on what you can do. If that were the case, why in the world did God send His only Son? We wouldn't need Him. That's why, do you understand your need for a Savior? That's a starting place every day for all of us. It's not a one-time thing. It's every day I need a Savior because if I don't have my Savior in communion with me today, I'm not going to have life. And if I don't have life, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to start committing capital sins, deadly sins of anger and envy, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, sloth. We're going to commit these sins of pride because He's not there. And I'm not in that regular relationship so that He can keep saving me from sin. Okay? So we don't have what it takes to get to heaven, guys. Important. Very important. We can't get to heaven without Jesus. We need His yes to us to receive it so that we can get to heaven, okay? Now, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way to where? Heaven. The way to think. The way to speak. The way to act. The true way to think. The true way to speak. And the true way to act. That you can have life to the full. He came to reveal the truth about what? It's not a what. He came to reveal the truth about who the Father is. Because Satan lied to Adam and Eve, and every man in here is an Adam, and every woman in here is an Eve. We are Adam and Eve. It's our story. It's not a thing that just happened 2,000 years ago. You and I are Adam and Eve, and we're in the garden. The serpent comes into our lives, and he whispers lies to us regarding the nature of love. Regarding who the Father is for me. Who's the Father for you? And we'll talk more about this when I, as soon as I get into envy. But the reason we envy others is because we don't believe God loves us. God's not enough for me. So I'm envious of what you have, what you're doing, your gifts, your talents. I'm saddened when you have more than me. If you have God in you, you don't need anything else. But if I don't believe God's in me and He's enough for me, I'm going to be envy all day long over everything and everyone. Because I'm not only now living in this world, but I'm also living of this world. 
Remember the, the scripture says, we're called to live in the world, but not of the world. In, but not of. Okay? So God desires what? I shared this at the beginning of the last talk. Holy communion with us. He wants holy communion with us. With each of us. He ultimately wants what? Heaven for each of us. Sin is the antithesis of communion with God. The seven deadly sins is not communion with God. It's it's not being in communion with God. So these seven deadly sins keep us from communion with God and hence they keep us from life to the full. Hence they keep us from heaven and the glory of God. Everyone here has broken God's law. Now, think about this. God is perfect justice and perfect mercy. Okay? So knowing where you and I are currently in the cosmos, in this place, you know the blue dot on your phone, like where you find yourself... Hopefully on these nights as I'm speaking, you start to see that blue dot and you're like, oh, that's where I am. We locate ourselves in God's plan and design. So right now, hopefully aware, I desperately need a Savior every moment of every day of my life. I'm in grave need because without Jesus, I can't go to heaven. Why can't we go to heaven without Jesus? Because only Jesus can give the Father what the Father deserves on our behalf. Because of the sin in our lives, we will never give God the Father perfect love. To get to heaven, everyone in here has to perfectly love God the Father. How do we perfectly love God the Father if we have sin? We can't. So God, in His mercy, looks down from heaven and the Father says, Jesus, my children are lost. They don't know how to love anymore. They are afraid of me. The enemies lied to them. And they're hurting each other now. Jesus, what do you want to do? And Jesus says, Dad, shrink me down. I'll dive on the Holy Spirit and we'll fly down and land in this woman's body that you created, this most perfect, beautiful woman named Mary. And I'll be born in her and I'll take a human nature and I'll be born and then I will do for them what they can't do for themselves. I'll give you, Father, perfect love for all of your children on earth. And if they accept me, they receive my reward. If they accept me, if they let me enter into their lives, I'll give them then the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can start to love more and more. And then they can return to you, Father, the glory you deserve and the praise you deserve and the honor you deserve. So do you understand why you came to satisfy, to atone for, to repair the damage done by sin? Think of the... You all know the Divine Mercy, right? Most of you probably know the Divine Mercy chapter. Let me just say this word. Listen. Eternal Father, I offer you, what? The body, blood, soul, and divinity of Michael? No. Of Joe? No. Of Jennifer? No. Of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? In atonement for our sins, and those of the whole world. The divine, right, built right into the divine mercy chaplet is the whole point of Christ coming into the world. And then listen, for the sake of Michael's passion, have mercy on us and on the Lord. Michael's passion is imperfect. Michael's passion is tainted with sin and not always pure intentions. For the sake of His, Jesus' sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And when you say the Divine Mercy Chaplet, God the Father from Heaven hears you reminding Him of His Son's sacrifice on behalf of all of humanity. And He pours down mercy upon us. Rains down the Holy Spirit and graces. And people start to change. Mercy changes people. 
Forgiveness changes people. So I want you to think about that before I, before I wanted to dive into the actual um, sin of envy. Because I just think it's important that you understand that basic message of, I just announced the gospel to you. I just announced the basic gospel message. We are sinners. We can't love God the Father perfectly. We're stuck and doomed to hell unless someone comes to our rescue to love the Father in a way that we can't for us. So you see, if you reject Jesus, you're rejecting your, your key to heaven. If you reject Jesus, you're burning the bridge that He built so you can get from earth to heaven. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. He's not one of many ways. He doesn't just have some good ideas as a good teacher. He's the only way. And you need to be able to confront... See, this is why... You know, some people leave the church. Some people leave the Christian faith. And you know why? A lot of times it has to do with... Man, Jesus makes me uncomfortable. He makes me uncomfortable. Because I have to look at my life and I see that I'm not living according to His law. And nobody can live according to His law. We're all broken. We're all imperfect. But He's saying to me... you got to live perfectly to get to heaven. So to the degree, remember last time I shared with you, to the degree I let God love me, I'll love myself. And to that degree, I'll love you. So to the degree we let Jesus enter into communion with us, to that degree I'm going to love myself, I'll love Michael. And I won't be envious of you because I don't need to be like you. I don't want to be like you people. I want to be me because God made me amazing. He made me wonderful. Why would I want to be like you if He made me the one and only Michael Voidhofer? Praise the Lord. Like, think about it. In a healthy sense of the sense of pride, it's a healthy sense of pride where God made me. He says in the Psalms, How wonderfully you've made me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Wow. God, I'm amazing. I'm awesome because you made me. You're awesome. And so I don't walk around like being envious because they have this or she has that or she looks this way or he looks that way and I don't have what they have. No, I have it all because He lives in me. He, oh, he dwells in me. He moves in me if I let Him. So if I let God love me, I'll love myself and I'll love you. Okay? Now let's dive into envy so we can um, start knocking this baby out. Envy. Okay, so kind of to sum up this all, all of these evenings are about setting you free. Setting you free. Deliverance. We say it in the Our Father. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Do you know what the definition of evil is? It's a lack of participation in the good. That's the definition of evil. A lack of participation in goodness. So, if I have sin in my life, I'm not going to participate in the goodness that I am. And I can only give what I have received. So, if I don't have a certain amount of goodness, I can't give you that same amount of goodness. Okay, so, envy. God wants to set us free. So, as you hear these things this evening, you're going to start becoming aware. Awareness is half of the spiritual battle. Or not 70, if not 75% of the spiritual battle is being aware of how the spirit of envy operates in my life. And how I'm to combat it. Okay? You guys remember, just real quick review, do you remember the, um, the, uh, uh, for anger, do you remember the gift of the Holy Spirit? Piety. Piety is a filial, amazing love for God. I love God so much that I want to forgive you. Because I don't want to offend you. I, don't want to, I love you so much, Father. I want to forgive you. See, and what's the last word? What's one of the seven last words from the cross that Jesus gave us to combat anger? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Remember who's behind sin. Satan. Not Michael. Not Joe. Not Jen. Not Mary. Not Sam. Satan's behind sin. 
So if you want to attack someone, don't attack a person. Attack the demons behind the sin. And the one sword that you can really strike Satan with to destroy anger, resentment, bitterness, whatever it be, is what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. So with envy, we're going to also look at the last word and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'll just give you a little a heads up as you listen. Um, the gift of the Holy Spirit is going to come against uh, envy is uh, wisdom. And I'll explain that as we go through the night. Wisdom. So you want to be praying for piety and wisdom to be operating in your life. But remember, like I said last time, when you pray that and God starts to work, stop resisting when He pulls you up onto the cross to die to your envy and die to your anger and die to your pride and your lust and your gluttony and your greed. You've got to die to those things. But if the Holy Spirit's going to take me up there, we're kind of like, I don't know if I want to go. It's going to be a little painful. Precisely the point. You can't rise from the dead until you die first. It's the Paschal Mystery. You must die to envy to rise to wisdom. You must die to anger so that you can rise to holy piety. Okay? Die to the old self so you can let the new self be born again. Okay? Okay, so, envy. God, once again, totally fill us with life, transfigure us, full of His grace, okay? So envy is desiring something I don't have. Envy is desiring something I cannot have. Or maybe I wish I did have, but I don't. It's desiring it. So putting a face on envy. The catechism says, envy becomes a mortal sin when it wants to cause serious harm to anyone because they have something that we don't. You know, you could really just totally destroy someone's reputation. Gossip is in some ways a form of envy. Because when you're talking about other people, you know why we talk about others? So we feel better. Like if we cut them down to size, I'm not so bad, look, I'm not that bad. You know? So we knock someone else down to size so we don't feel like we're like looking up at the spiritual giants all the time. So we gossip around and we're like, oh, we knocked them down to our level. Yeah, I'm pretty good, I'm not too bad. Never compare yourself with people. If you want to compare yourself to anyone, there's your model, Jesus Christ. And you'll always be humbled. And you'll always crush Satan's head if you let humility convict you. Okay? Okay, so, St. Thomas said envy is a sorrow or a sadness over another's good. Because that good is regarded as something withheld or taken away from the person that's envy. So again, it's kind of that whole idea of sadness, sorrow at another person's good. You all had that feeling, right? It's, it's a yucky feeling. When you feel envious, we all hate. I think, if we're honest, when you feel that envy inside of you, it's a nasty feeling. You just, you don't like it. It's like, a, it's like tasting bad mayonnaise or something, right? Just horrible taste. It's like your soul just like, yuck. It's like you want to throw it up. Just like when you're sick, you want to get rid of it, right? It's a nasty, nasty thing. Envious of someone else, it can be envious of people's reputations. How many of us have been envious of others' reputations or friendships others have? You can be envious of someone's health. You maybe don't have the looks or the health they have, and you kind of feel envy toward that. And you can see how that envy toward another person's physical build could lead to self-hate. I'm not good. I'm not like that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Very pessimistic approach to self. It's a hatred of self. Ultimately, it's self-rejection. And remember, if I'm rejecting myself, I'm rejecting Him. Because who created me? God. He loves me as I am. And I don't. That's a problem. Lord, please purify me. Deliver me from hating myself. We can be envious of other people's popularity. I mean, all of us are going to register or feel different levels of connection to these different things. Okay, so 
Envy, again, is that sorrow or sadness over somebody else's goodness. And we can sometimes, again, compromise our own dignity so we can have that. Okay, envy, envy, this is something I was thinking about, but with regard to the roles of men and women in our world, masculinity and and femininity, we've all probably heard of a, a feminism, a false feminism, where women give up the beauty and genius of their maternity because they envy the power that men have in the work world. And I'm not condoning... a a misuse or abuse of power and not saying women shouldn't have equal role. But what I'm saying is a woman has the gift of knitting life together in her womb. And because maybe, this is a possibility, because of her envy for not having being able to climb the corporate ladder, I could have an abortion. Because that baby's getting in the way of the power that I envy having. Or that paycheck that I'm not going to have that he might have or she might have for that matter. You see how we can envy and can actually destroy our sexuality, our feminine <laughs> Tim, I love you anyhow, praise God. <laughs> Give him a blessing. I'll call you after me. You could watch this, you'll learn something, right? Okay, so back to envy. So God wants, again, to deliver us from the spirits. Remember, capital sins are sins, but there's also evil spirits that operate behind it. There's a spirit of envy. There's a spirit of anger. I should say unholy anger. Because anger in itself, remember, is not a sin. It's how we manifest it. Um, There could be a spirit of pride or lust or gluttony or greed or, or sloth. Okay? So... Jesus wants us to what? Be delivered. What did he pray in the Our Father? Father in heaven what? He praised them. He thanked, he, he thanked us. He thanks the Father. And he says, deliver them from evil. Okay? Now, as a man, or as a woman, or as a beloved son or daughter, a child of God, again, gratitude. I'm thankful for who I am. Grateful for what I have and what's been given to me. Okay? Gratitude is a remedy for all of these in so many ways. I always say, pray for an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. Okay? Envy will reveal itself often through... This is ways maybe envy can reveal itself. Through discord. Um... Hatred, malice, malicious joy. You know, when you rejoice when another person falls on their face or fails, that's envy. When you're happy because another person messes up, that's envy. You, you, that's, that's, what, that's it, really right there. That's a great way to kind of capture it. You, you're, you're rejoicing in another person's failure. Um, envy can r- reveal itself through backbiting, rudeness, being rude. Um, jealous, jealousy, obviously, and envy kind of are together. Jealousy is not always sinful. You know, it's like oh, I wish I could. You know, I wish I was as healthy as that person. That's not necessarily envy. Envy is when you're like sad and brought to a place of sadness because another person has something you don't. Like just being jealous. Oh, it'd be nice to have that car. Or it'd be nice to have that house. That's not necessarily envy. But you just got to be careful because right there you're on, you could be on rocky ground if you're not careful. And your relationship with the Lord's not firm and strong. You're going to be maybe opening the door to, to progress into envy, okay? Okay, so again, it manifests itself in sadness or coldness at someone's success, as I was saying. Uh, misjudgment or misinterpreting other people. And so remember, anger represents or manifest itself in hatred as well. But envy can manifest itself through hatred also. Envy leads us quicker into hatred than anger itself does. Anger takes time. It brews. And there's different ways we express anger. But envy can lead quickly to a repulsion toward other people. Very quickly lead to escalating into hatred a lot quicker. Okay? So... In the book of Revelation, it says there's seven heads to the dragon. Again, 
The seven capital or seven, seven deadly sins. There's seven heads of the dragon. These ugly heads of anger, the ugly head of envy, start to rear their heads in different situations in our lives. And remember, we contracted this all in original sin. Original sin is the disease of the soul that Christ came to wash away and to give us the power of the Spirit to heal from. Okay? The nutrients. Think of the gifts of the spirits like nutrients that fill the soul with what's necessary to become the saint we're created to be. Okay? Okay, so envy is its own punishment in so many ways. As I said, it makes you feel nasty. It makes you feel like yucky, right? It'll bring about spiritual death in relationships, obviously, right? Envy's going to kill our relationship with ourselves, with others, and with God. Because it puts everyone against me, including myself, and it also attacks my relationship with God. Because you can't love God and hate your neighbor, and you can't love your neighbor and hate God. So it's going to really drive a major wedge between our intimacy and health needs, spiritually and psychologically with other people. We need healthy intimacy. And if we're always envious and comparing, it's going to be hard to connect with people. Because everyone's a threat. Everyone's a threat. Because they have stuff I don't have. And I start to, again, you can see how it really hurts oneself a lot. Okay? Now, these are some things Jesus said about envy. I want to talk about a few scriptures Jesus um, brought about in, um, when he spoke about envy. Okay, Jesus said many things about envy. Um, he said not to be envious of God's mercy, particularly to lost sheep. Have you ever resented or experienced resentment toward Catholics? That receive the last rites at the last moment and they're public sinners their whole life. And you're like, man, I lived my whole life so freaking good. And now this dude gets his last rites at the last minute and lived his whole life or her whole life doing whatever they wanted to do. That's envy. It's those 11th hour saints, if you will. Like, man, I spent 40 years, Lord. Knew this person in the last hour. They're giving him that grace, really? See, people like uh, Hitler. God wants to save Hitler. And I don't care what we think. He wants to save Bin Laden. He wants to save pedophiles. He wants to save abortionists. He wants to save everyone. And if I have a hard time with that, you know what the root of that is? Envy of God's goodness. How could he be so good to me? How can he be so good to these people? Look what they've done. They slaughtered and killed hundreds of thousands or even millions of people. I'm not condoning their behavior. They might spend a pretty, I'm sure, one hell of a long time in purgatory. <laughs> but you get the point is God still wants to save them. And if we can just, if their hearts are open just a crack, Jesus will save them. Look at the thief on the cross. All he said is, Lord, I want to be with you. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looked at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't say, well, first, give me an analysis of your life. I want you to remind me of all the things you've done and tell me every detail of everything. And then I'll kind of think about it a minute before I give you the go. No, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. God is lavishly, wastefully merciful. And that should make you feel good. God is lavishly merciful. He doesn't just give mercy a little. He wastes it. Do you know the word prodigal? In the, in the prodigal son story, do you know the word prodigal? The root for prodigal is wasteful. The prodigal son wasted his father's inheritance. Did you know the father God wastes his mercy on us? He, he might pour out... God might pour out, let's say, He pours out 100 gallons of mercy on each soul in here. And we only receive 1% of it. He'll still give 100 gallons knowing you're only going to give 1 gallon of it. Because He loves to just pour it out. I don't know if you've ever heard the story with uh, Mother Angelica. She was walking on the beach and a drop of water landed on her finger or on her hand. 
And she says, oh, Lord, you know, drop of water. And Jesus said, Angelica, throw that water back into the ocean. And so Angelica, Mother Angelica, you know, the founder of EWTN, she threw the drop of water back in the ocean. And listen, this is what God said back to her. Now go find it. And then he said, for such are your sins when you give them to me in the ocean of my mercy. They're gone. Isn't that a beautiful teaching? A drop of water. You you know, all the sins in the world add up to a drop of water compared to the ocean, which is God's mercy. Don't ever think your sins are too big for God's mercy. That's Satan. Satan wants you to start thinking, well, I don't know if God could forgive me. I remember when I was starting to get back more into my faith and I was starting to make good confessions, not just going through the motions, and I started to really examine my life and be brutally honest. And it was hard because pride was saying, I don't know if I can say this to the priest or that to the priest. Um, You know, we get afraid, we get embarrassed, we fall on our faces, and we become very self-focused. And the Lord's like, when you go to confession, don't look at yourself, look at me. Look at me. If I did that for you, do you think I'm going to hold anything back? I'm going to give you more. He loves you more than you love your own kids. He loves you more than you love yourselves. He loves us so much. Okay? So God doesn't want us to be envious of His goodness and His kindness towards sinners. Because if that's how we see God, that's how we're going to view our relationship with God. If I think God has a hard time forgiving someone with great sin then why I'm, number one, I'm probably judging. And number two, is I've got to be looking at my own heart and say, Lord, I need your mercy. Okay? So think about that. The good thief stole heaven at the last minute. The good thief stole heaven at the last minute. He stole heaven at the last minute. Because God's so merciful and amazing. Okay. Prodigal son story, I kind of talked a little bit about that, but... The, the, the older brother was envious of the prodigal son or the younger brother. You got all of that stuff and then you go out and blow it on all this and then I can't believe you, dad. You come, he comes back home after he wasted your whole inheritance of prostitutes and spending on this and that, wasting all his inheritance, was eating with pigs and now he's coming back and you're going to give him a, a ring on his finger, put a cloak around him, and kill the fatted calf and have a party? Dad, what's wrong with you? Put him in the corner. Or sh- ground him. Put him in his room and ground his butt. Right? So God the Father, and I always think, you know, just, just kind of for your own reflection, when the younger son's coming home, and he sees his, his dad out there looking, And his dad starts running to him, right? And he's probably like, oh crap. My dad's going to kill me. He's running at me. Oh my gosh. He's probably like, should I go? I got to go. He probably thought about running away. But he knew his father loved him. And his father would take him back. And the elder son was envious because the father was so good. So are you envious that God wants to be good to you? Are you afraid to let God be so good to you? To spoil you with His love and His mercy? Because if you let that happen to you, if you let that happen to you tonight, you know what's going to happen? You're going to give it to others the same way. And people will be like, wow, I was expecting you to reject me, but you forgave me and you picked me right back up and took me right back into your life. How could you do that? Well... Would you like me to know? Let's have coffee sometime. And you have evangelization time. You share with them why you can forgive and how you came to be a person that forgives. Because God's forgiven me. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I can forgive you. That's why I can forgive my husband or my wife or my kids. Because God forgave me. And I want to waste mercy on you, but He wasted mercy on me. In the good sense of the word waste. Just lavishly pour it out, okay? Okay. So if you ever ask that question, Lord, why'd you do that? How come you're so good to that person? That's envy beginning to work. We can be envious of other people's wealth. Um, If you read Matthew chapter 6, 
By the way, the prodigal son is Luke 15, if you want to read that story. Matthew chapter 6, you know, when Jesus talks about, you know, you know, do not worry about anything, you know. Uh, he talks about, you know, money. You can't serve God in money. So we can be envious of wealth, other people's gifts, talents, strengths, relationships. Um, so we have to check our spirits and our hearts. This is, you know, it's like you're coming tonight. This is kind of like coming to the doctor's office for your soul. Jesus is giving you a little bit of a, a, a spiritual exam, if you will. He's helping you to identify how you can be healed and cured from your disease, our disease of uh, envy. Let's think of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, Satan used envy to attempt, attack Adam and Eve in the very beginning. And this is Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 14. This is, this is why he got Eve in Adam. Satan went after them. He's like, if you eat this, this is kind of how I explain it. This is Father Michael's version. Let's say that inside this sheet is the answer to happiness. This is the secret to life. Everything you need to know. You'll be perfect if you look in here and what's on here. Now, if I'm saying God the Father, and I'm saying to you, you're like all the Adam and Eve's, okay? You're Adam and Eve. And I'm saying, you can, you can read any book in the whole world, in every library, but you can't read what's in the sheet. I ask this to the little kids. I'm like, well, what are you guys going to be tempted to do? Read the little sheet, right? We want to see what's in there. Right away, they're like, oh, we can't have that. There must be something really special in there. God's testing our trust in Him. He goes, if I'm a good God, and you believe I'm going to give you only what's good, then before you can come into heaven, I have to give you a test to see if you'll trust me as a good and loving Father. So you can read anything, but you can't read what's in this sheet. Serpent comes into the garden. He says, Adam and Eve... Why don't you read what's on that sheet? And they're like, well, God says if we read anything on that sheet, that we'll die. Ah, God knows that if you read what's on that sheet, you'll have all the power He has, all the things He has. You'll be able to do whatever you want. You'll be able to be as powerful as God. God just doesn't want you to read that because He wants to keep you as His little servants and slaves your whole life. You don't want to live like that, do you? See how tempting? They're envious that, oh, maybe God has more than us. We want what God has. But the saddest thing of all, they have it all. They have it all. And they open that sheet, and what's on it? Nothing. The empty promise of Satan. The devil is a good commercial writer. He knows how to make good commercials. But he never can follow through with his promises. He's a liar, a thief, and a murderer from the beginning. And he'll do the same thing to us that he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. He'll tempt us and lie to us. So as we look at Adam and Eve, were tempted because they were envious. They wanted what God had. They didn't have it. And they wanted what he had. Okay? Okay, so let's look at the first murder. Cain kills Abel. Why did Cain kill Abel? This is Genesis chapter 4, 1 to 11. Well, Cain killed Abel because Cain was envious of Abel's relationship with God. Abel gave truly and genuinely to God the best fruits. And Cain didn't. And so Cain killed his brother Abel. Envy led to murder. Envy killed that relationship in that family. How many of us in our family relationships have experienced the death of relationships between siblings, aunts and uncles, because I'm envious that you have more money than me. Or you got this gift at the will. When, when the will was all done, you got this and I didn't get this and you got that and I didn't get that. You know what that is? It's envy. Envy's killing the, the whole marriage. Envy's killing the family relationships. Satan, the spirit of envy, is operating. Because we don't value the greatest of treasures. Today you'll be with me in paradise. You have me. 
Why do you need this and that? I'm not saying it's right that they got this or that. But what I'm saying is don't let it destroy your family and ruin your life. You have me. I'm God. And besides, this is a little cool thing God told me in prayer once. He says, Michael, if I gave you everything you wanted, you still wouldn't be happy. So why do you worry about it anymore? If God gave you everything you wanted right now, you still wouldn't be happy. And you would realize, oh. And he avoids giving us everything because we'll destroy ourselves and a lot of other people in the process. But what he does is he says, if you just would realize that the things of this world that are passing can't give you lasting peace anyhow. So I'm not going to put you through a miserable trial just by letting you indulge. I'm going to not give it to you. Just like you say to your kids, no, you can't have that. Yeah, but I want that, Mom. You know, they're like crying in the aisle at the store because they ain't getting their toy. Oh, that toy's going to make you happy. What, for five minutes and you'll throw it down and want another toy? We do the same thing. We can all be the same way, just like little kids. And God's saying, I want you to be happy because I give you happiness, not because the things of this world. Our peace fluctuates with the stock market. Because we put more value in the things of this world. I'm not saying we don't need to plan for our future. But what I'm saying is there's a difference between planning for your future and losing your peace and happiness when things don't go the way you want them to go. Or when I lose my health, I lose my peace and happiness. Now I'm not saying that's, you know, suffering is suffering and it's, it's, it's painful. You're invited up onto the cross. It's not an easy thing. You're called to higher holiness and greater holiness. But when you start to attach your happiness to your health, there's a problem. When you attach your happiness to your entertainment, there's a problem. When you attach happiness to anything but God, there's going to be a problem. And you're going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. And you're going to be a slave to this world. Rather than free as sons and daughters to go out into the world, people look at you and be like, because, and this has just come to me right now, but guys, I want you to think about this. One day, and this is, this is in many of the apparitions of Our Lady regarding Fatima, Lords, I know Medjugorje is not approved yet, but whatever the church decides, but the bottom line is it's there too. The point is this. There's coming a time in our world where there will be great purification. And when God pulls the carpet out from under the world who depends on money, we're going to be the ones that need to have peace because we've grounded ourselves not in money, but in God. And when others are losing their peace and see we have peace, they're going to want to know how we have peace and they don't. And then we can introduce them at that moment to Christ. That's what's going to happen. I, I mean, I've read this in many of apparitions, many of Our Lady's messages. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be a purification, and we're going to be needing to stand our ground. Don't lose it. Chill out. Be at peace. God's with me. He'll make sure we get through this. What's the worst that could happen? We die. He already did that. And he rose three days later. You think he's going to let us just die? You're going to die, and you're going to rise into his arms and wake up in his, in his arms in heaven. That's nothing to be afraid of. That's something to look forward to. Okay? So David, this is a good one. David and Saul. You know the scripture, 1 Samuel 21, 12. Maybe you don't know the scripture. I don't, I don't, I don't always remember these either. 1 Samuel 21, 12. They said, Saul, you know, he's singing. Imagine, there's all these women and all these people. And they're, they're, they're celebrating David. Saul has, I mean, first of all, whoever's saying this or singing this, I'd be like, guys, not a good idea. Saul has slain the thousands, but David killed tens of thousands. It's like not a great choice, if you will, to like be singing that in front of the king. Hey, king, David killed ten thousand. You only killed a thousand. David, David. It's like, okay, David's like, please shut up. You're going to get me killed. <laughs> And what happens? Precisely that. Not he didn't get killed, but Saul, what happened? David was a hunted man. He became hunted. Saul hunted him. He, he, he was hated by Saul because Saul was envious of David. How about Joseph? 
You know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? His brothers, you know, took him out and threw him in a ditch and then he was taken off into Egypt. And God still made good of this amazing story in uh, Genesis 37, 1 to 28. Okay, so what happens? Joseph's brothers throw him in a ditch because they're jealous. What are they jealous of? Joseph's a free spirit. He's happy. How many of you have been angry when another person's happy? We all want right? Like, man, they're so happy and I'm miserable right now. I don't like that. Right? We feel that. Really, though, their happiness is supposed to bless us. We're not to see it as a threat. When other people are happy and you're not, be like, thank you, Lord, for bringing happiness into my life through this person. God's like, hey, you want to be happy? I'm trying to put people that are happy in your life and you're fighting against them. You're saying, huh, they're happy and I'm not. And we get threatened by it. Instead of being threatened, receive the gift from God. Thank you, Lord, for Joe. He's so happy today. He's cheering me up. Let others cheer you up rather than get envious at others and attack them. Okay? So often there's a third party involved with regard to envy. What I mean is the brothers of Joseph were envy of what? Envious of what? Joseph's relationship with the father, his, his earthly father. He got the special coat. Remember Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat? He got the special coat. And he had all these dreams. He's like, yeah, I had this vision of, you know, all these things bowing down to me. One day everyone's going to bow down to me. His brother's like, man, you are big-headed. we got to get rid of this guy. And they plot to kill, a, kill their own brother because of envy. Okay? Just a few more things here. Um, Jesus talks about... Um, how Satan uses envy to make us rebellious and again disobedient. Um, Paul tells us, this is a great scripture, Galatians 5.26. Let us never be boastful or challenging or jealous toward one another. Let us never be boastful or challenging or jealous toward one another. Meaning we're on the same team. I tell this to all my married couples when I'm preparing them or married, pre- preparing for marriage. Write it on your refrigerator, guys. You're on the same team. Why are you fighting against one another? It would be like two, a quarterback and a running back punching each other or attacking each other. It's like, you're on the same team. Stop it. Married couples are on the same team. Don't let Satan drive a wedge between you. You attack him, she attacks him, or he attacks her. And you attack the kids, the kids attack you. It's like, whatever. It's like, you're on the same team. You know? Put on the armor of God. Be aware of the real enemy in your family. It's not each other. It's not your wife or your kids. Not even your mother-in-law. Not your father-in-law. You know who it is? It's Satan. And he wants to destroy and murder and kill relationships. Okay? So I want you to ask yourself, where, when you have an emotion come up, a feeling or a thought that kind of seems to be in the direction of envy, ask yourself before you act, Where are they leading me now? Where is this going to lead me if I follow it through? That's a real wise way to think. Intellect thinks, will chooses. Intellect thinks, will chooses. Okay? Okay, so um, envy destroys silence within our prayer life. Because in your prayer life, you're always comparing yourself to everyone. This person has a better prayer life than me. That person has a better prayer life. And we get spiritually envy even, okay? Okay, someone who's a very good prayer, and I'm not, maybe. Someone who's consistently nice, and I'm not. Or patient, or consistently kind. You know, someone that always turns the other cheek. It's like, you can get envious of that, because they're so good. It's like, man, this person is so good. It's amazing how these people create enemies because of holiness. Guys, this is very important. Hear this. When someone's really holy... They can really cause a lot of other people to be envious, which is really sad. But that the temptation is, is when you're growing in virtue and holiness, don't stop being holy because other people have problems with their envy. If you're sad because I'm a joyful person, I shouldn't push it in your face. But I'm not going to let you, you know, stomp on me and just be like, hey, you know, obviously misery loves company. So I'm not going to let you pull me down just because you're not having joy. I'm going to remain in Christ. So someone that's really growing in holiness, it can be a challenge 
to stay joyful and free because we're like, we want to turn our spiritual life into a political thing where, man, if I'm too holy, then I'm going to make these people mad. So I got to tone it down a little. And God's like, no, turn it up. Turn up the power, turn up the heat. Be as holy as I created you to be. Be perfect. If they have a problem with envy, that's their problem with me. Let them talk to me about it. You're just an instrument I'm using to purify them right now. That's so important because I found in my own life at times where like, I could see like my, you know, wanting to grow. I'm not saying we should publicize things. I'd be like, hey, look at me, I'm doing this. But what I'm saying is don't squelch the spirit because other people have a problem with your spiritual holiness or your life in the spirit, okay? So envy will try to keep others from being holy. Envy wants people to fall, wants others to disobey, wants others to gossip, to lie, to cheat, to conceal. Why is that? Because they're convicting me. Stop convicting me. People will even leave I'm home because they're being convicted. Okay. Um, we don't, we're, we're getting over time here. So what I'm going to do is um, uh, just uh, real quickly, the gift of wisdom, which is kind of important, right? It's the whole point. The gift of wisdom is the highest form of wisdom is surrender. Okay? Just I'm going to give you a brief thing here. Highest form of wisdom is surrender. Surrender brings about union, which brings about love. Okay, surrendering to God will bring union with God, union with yourself, and bring about that love, as I was saying. So we have heaven within us. So wisdom, the gift of wisdom, gives you the grace to see what is of value, what God sees. God sees me as his beloved dear child. If I have wisdom in my life, I don't need to be envious of you. Because I'm going to see the gift that I am, the gift that God is, and I'm going to just see your little ups and downs and bumps and bruises, okay, or the things you have that I don't. I'm going to see them as blessings for me. Like if you have a gift of teaching and I don't, I'm going to be like, thank you, Lord, for that person that has that gift of teaching. They can help me. We're all on the same team. If that person has a gift of music, well, thank you, Lord. They're going to bless me. I don't see him as a threat. I see him as a blessing. If that person has more patience than me, thank you, Lord, for that person that's going to help me become more patient, to teach me patience. See, that's different than they're a threat to me. So wisdom, when it's operating, helps us, like Mary, to do what? My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's looked on this lowliness of his servant. Right? Okay? So God is wisdom in the flesh. Jesus is wisdom in the flesh. When Jesus saw other people with gifts, you know what he did? He was so excited to see his father working through those people. So why don't we see God's hand at work and God's fingerprints on people's gifts and talents rather than, oh, that person has something I don't. So again, this gift of wisdom. And finally, from the cross... The word from the cross, guys, is this day you will be with me in paradise. The key words is with me. If you know God is with you, which is wisdom, he's with me. If you know he's with you, then you have God, you have life, you have heaven within you like Mary did. And what happens? You're not going to be thinking about what I don't have because you have everything when you have God. The Blessed Mother said in one of her apparitions, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything. This day, you will be with me in paradise. Means wait, right now. So as you guys leave tonight, right now, as I say this closing prayer and blessing, you receive paradise. You receive God. Now I know there's a ton of things that I just shared. Um, again, the audio, the video, the sheets in the back. Um, I also have some helpful hints for anger and envy in each of the capital sins. They'll be on the website. Go to the website. All of the stuff's there. So let's say a prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we welcome you into our lives. We surrender right now to the power, 
of your love. We know we can't do it, but you did, and you are doing it now. You're giving your mercy right now as we pray. You're raining down from your throne in heaven into each of our souls the beautiful gift of wisdom. I pray right now, Lord, that we may all have the eyes to see as you see. That when we look in the mirror and see ourselves, we may see through the eyes of Jesus. When we look at others, we may see them through the eyes of Jesus. Father, baptize our eyeballs, baptize our minds, baptize our hearts to see as you see, so that we can be wise, grateful, and to praise you when we see others' gifts and blessings. And when others fail and fall down, let us be the first to help them get up, that we celebrate the lavish love you have for us. Deliver us from the evil of envy. Deliver us from the evil spirit of unholy anger. Set us free. Break the chains. We want to be a light in the world. Lord, we want to stand out for your glory, not for our own. So we pray and ask for the gift of humility from Mary and from her prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here, say hi to my mom and dad in there. There they are. Praise God. See that? Gave him a priest. Love you, mom and dad.